Welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Today I'm going to talk about how active consultants, consultants at McKinsey, Bain and so on, can new consultants can be more analytical or demonstrate the analytical skills um, either in their first, second or third project or whatever it is. And this um, podcast comes out of a discussion I was having yesterday with a Deloitte consultant and over the, I think it was Saturday and, and early Sunday with a McKinsey consultant in the Far East. And both were candidates we had worked with and they had just started, for, with one guy we had, he was just starting off as um, a new uh, consultant and the other guy had been at McKinsey for I think about a year. And he was leading his first, uh, I would say, large analytical role in the sense of designing an Excel model. And with both of them, I think the issue was, how do you demonstrate analytical skills irrespective of the project you're on? Because it's very easy to show analytical skills when you're put onto a project where you have to model a spreadsheet and so on. It's, It's easy. For most people, it's intuitive to understand how to do that. But what about demonstrating analytical skills when you're not on a project that calls for heavily quantitative analysis? And I was trying to get them to understand how they could show their analytical skills irrespective of the project they're put on. So I think before I get into an example of what I consider to be one of the best demonstrations of analysis on any project uh, by a young consultant, I want to talk about firstly what being analytical means and secondly why you have to show it. So being analytical does not mean you're good at numbers, and I think that's a common misconception people have. When I speak to young engineers um, or or MBA candidates with an engineering background, they tend to assume that by default they are more analytical than other students. And I think that on average, those with a quantitative background tend to be more analytical, on average. But the reality is being analytical doesn't mean you're good at numbers. There are many, many people who are analytical and they cannot you know, do heavy calculations or even simple calculations for some of these people. Sure, they can pass the PST, but they're not you know, going to be building Excel spreadsheets that make the numbers dance like a Disney movie. The point is being analytical means that you're able to understand the drivers of an issue and how those drivers are related. And those drivers are not always numerical in nature. So when a candidate thinks that they're not analytical because they don't have a quantitative background, that's a very important and, I think, fatal mistake to make. It's a bad, bad assumption to make. When you're judging uh, your ability to be analytical, ask yourself, uh, what is your ability to reason and debate, debate a point of view against someone else? I find people that are strong at debating well and let me rephrase that, debating well, are good at being analytical. And I find people that are just opinionated when they debate tend to be very bad when they debate. A good technique to to follow you is, and it's something I do, I used to do and I still do a lot of, is that irrespective of the point I'm arguing, I'll always take the opposing viewpoint. So irrespective of who I'm talking to, I automatically take the opposing viewpoint. It could be on an issue that's really close to me, but if I see someone else has taken a point that I've followed for a long time, I'll just take the opposing viewpoint. To to really, I'm not really testing their thinking, I'm more testing my thinking because... I'm attacking my own viewpoint. This is a viewpoint I used to have for a long time, but I've taken the opposing stance against someone who I think is quite good at arguing my point. So let's see how well my point stands up, right, under uh, withering criticism. So the, to be analytical, you don't have to be um, mathematical or quantitative. You just have to be able to understand the drivers of an issue and argue those issues. 
why do firms worry about analytical skills? I think that when you when you join a McKinsey, BCG, and so on, at the end of the day, when the partners sit down with you after six months, that's when you'll do your first performance cycle. It's, the first six months is not a salary review, it's just your performance review. The ultimate question they would ask is, how strong is this person at analysis? Yes, they are going to look at things like, you know, uh, whether you can do storyboards well, whether you can communicate well, whether your firm contribution is there and so on. But at the end of the day, unless you are strong at analysis, unless you are able to do a couple of things, firstly, understand the issues in the piece of work you are analyzing. Once you understand the issues, you then have to determine what is your hypothesis, and then you have to generate a test to prove that hypothesis or disprove that hypothesis. And I must be honest with you, I think a lot of people, even when I look at cases today, they spend a lot of time thinking about the hypothesis, but not enough time about the test they have to do to to um, examine that hypothesis. And it's kind of weird for me because you, you've spent all this time practicing for cases and preparing to go into McKinsey and things don't end with the hypothesis. The hypothesis is meaningless unless you've constructed a valid test on the ground that allows you to crisply, efficiently, and with the least amount of pain and effort go out and test that hypothesis. And what I find invariably happens, both in cases and on projects, is that to protect themselves and make sure that they're not going to miss anything, candidates and consultants, for that matter, build such large data tests that it's not really testing the hypothesis, but they're going out to collect things that they think will test the hypothesis or they think will be useful to the hypothesis. And when you do that, you're actually missing the point of developing a test for the hypothesis. The whole point of developing an hypothesis is to focus on those things that need to be tested and ignore everything else. And when you make your test so broad that you're bringing in unnecessary items, then you're defeating the purpose of having an hypothesis in the first place. And, you know, when I'm on a project and a young consultant comes up to me and says, this is the test they want to do, and I see they're going too broad, not only are they wasting the client's time, they're actually hurting the team by allocating unnecessary time to something that's not useful. So, We've discussed what analytical means. We've discussed why you need to be analytical. Let's talk about an example of what being analytical means. So I remember when I was just a young principal. I was leading a project on a media company. It was a media client, a private sector media client, a private media client, sorry, unlisted. And it just so happened in this country, small emerging economy, that um, all of the major media companies were unlisted. So you know, it was very difficult to get any data on them. Uh, the press wasn't, I would say, as... Uh, well developed as we would like it to be. So there was not a lot of newspaper clippings and so on on these media companies. Beyond that, a lot of analysts. When I say analysts, not just analysts covering listed companies, but analysts who are benchmarking companies like Data Monitor and so on, had chosen not to analyze these uh, companies. So we had a client, which was a private media company, and we had to develop a strategy for them over, say, the next two, three years. And we had to understand what the competitors were doing and if we didn't have a very good understanding of what competitors were doing, the odds were pretty good that we wouldn't have been able to generate a good strategy for our client. So I remember we were sitting in a in a project room quite late one night. I think it must have been about, I think it must have been an 8 p.m. on a Thursday because I normally arrive at the project team on a Thursday, spend the night with them, and then leave around uh, midday on Friday. And I remember sitting with them and we were having sort of a slight dinner discussing how we'll do these things. And a lot of ideas were were uh, thrown out. Um, I think that 
the debate was how do we collect this information and people were talking about running focus interviews going out and um, collecting information from our client who would have some knowledge of competitors and so on and the, a lot of the solutions were I thought expensive um, also slightly opinionated and they were not grounded on fact this is what people were telling us were happening and you know, as a consulting firm you have to balance taking people's opinion with what you see on the ground um, you could take opinion and you can take data but you can't take just one right it's very important even when we do a lot of analysis we always make sure we go speak to the frontline employees to find out what they're thinking what does the data mean and so on and I remember there was this um, associate a new associate a lawyer she never really stood out in my opinion I thought that she was very quiet my opinion too quiet um, and I had when I joined the project there were question marks about her because she was seen as someone not assertive enough she was seen as too quiet I personally liked her because I felt that while she was quiet I do feel that personalities may have affected her performance in the previous project and you know you you put a, a, a rabbit with a bunch of bulls and she's obviously going to be sidelined so when we started on this project I made sure that she was put onto a work team that was more conducive I think to her personality and, and the reality wasn't that obviously you know we'd have to always put on teams like this but I think that if she had been put onto a team that was more suited to her personality her confidence would grow and then we can put her onto tougher and tougher teams so it was very important that you know we think very carefully about why someone is struggling and if you've been in a meeting with me, you know that I'm very much to the point. So, you know, I would I I would stop a discussion if I think it's not going somewhere, you know, politely. But I, I'm not someone who's going to let someone talk for hours and hours. And well, I'm exaggerating there, but, you know, just to make them feel good about something. So, you know, being involved in a discussion that I'm leading is not for faint-hearted people. Let's put it that way. And I made sure that I did speak to her before the discussion uh, you know, you can't tell someone, you know, speak up because then they think they're not speaking up. So you can't encourage someone to do something right by pointing out what they're doing wrong. It's it's actually bad psychology. So my strategy with her was before the session was to talk about some of the challenges that we were having on other projects. Because my feeling was that if she realized that, you know what, other projects are having the same challenges she's experiencing, maybe it would make her feel as if the challenges she's facing are normal and that's what I did I, I was definitely not going to point out mistakes she had I think that would have been counterproductive so we're having a discussion and she never said anything in the meeting she had a few points to contribute and so on but um, after the meeting um, she said uh, 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 Michael I have an idea that I want to run by you but I've decided to just do some analysis in my free time to see if it, something will come out of it. So can I see you the next morning? I said, yeah, sure. I'm going to be in the office around probably 7 o'clock. I've got some calls. But as soon as you see my phone go down, you're welcome to steal my time. So I said, sure. So she said, fine, no problem. So she came through the next morning and she brought me a, this printout of email promotions that the competitor had sent out. And this was her thinking. And I thought it was one of the most brilliant pieces of analysis I've ever seen done in management consulting. Truly insightful, truly, you know, analytical. What she had, her logic was that because these two companies, they're both uh, media companies, the, the bulk of the promotions go through um, print, television, and email, right? She had gotten a list of all of the print spots they had run over a three-month period, all the 
TV spots they had run over a three-month period, ads, and all of the email ads and promotions they had sent out over the three-month period. It's quite a lot, right? I mean, you're basically doing something like over three-month periods, it's 90 days. They're basically running something like 10 ads a day. So it's about 1,000 pieces of data points. And what she said, and her reasoning was that, look, I mean, it's not a perfect analysis, but we can assume that whatever the company is trying to sell or whatever uh, uh, they're trying to emphasize, whatever product they're trying to push, whatever product they're trying to de-emphasize is either going to show up in the ads or is not going to show up in the ads. So she's, her argument is that if we analyze the ads over three months and she did a rough analysis, we can deduce what their strategy is. And what she had come up with, is, what she had come up with out of the, just a three-month analysis was to show that the company was withdrawing from cable shows. You know, they had staked their future on cable, but over the last three months, there have been a sharp decline in, firstly, advertising for cable shows on their um, um, on their TV channels. And second, if you look at the promotions they were running with clients through emails and through the newspapers, again, they weren't pushing uh, cable shows, but they're pushing another kind of local variety show and so on. She also noticed that they were also pushing uh, bundle packs whereby people could buy into... Um, 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 some of their TV channels and they could buy internet access, which is something she had not done before, something they had not done before. And looking at that data and also looking at the markets they were catering for, right, she was able to show, um, she was able to deduce first their strategy before they went in and what has been their strategy change in, in the next three months. They also owned a tourism company, you know, they were, this is an emerging markets conglomerate, and she was able to show that. Um, you know, they were targeting travels to Africa, safaris for U.S. Um, teenagers and so on. So using the advertising sent out, she was able to construct a straw man, a draft for what the company's strategy was and where they were prioritizing and where they were shifting focus and so on. And based on, you know, her thinking on how long it would take to roll out a new strategy to put in place broadband towers to, you know, support Wi-Fi, cable, and so on. She was able to deduce how long these things would take. What would be the capital um, uh, capital injection required? It wasn't a perfect analysis, but it was a damn close proxy to what the final strategy was. So, what I mean by that, she had done this analysis, which I thought was very, very clever. I thought it was interesting enough, given the fact that we had no information that she should proceed. And I remember sitting down with her, when she had shown me what she was doing, I said, look, this is very clever. I want you to, I think it makes sense, I want you to sit down with the manager, make sure he understands it, the engagement manager, and keep him updated in terms of what you're doing. It's, it's interesting, but I just want to make sure that we're doing the right things. And she continued doing that analysis. It was not her piece of work to do that. She was working on the... Um, um, I can't remember what she was doing. I think she was working on the market sizing or something like that. And the the, the, the strategy assessment was something that we wanted the engagement manager to work on. But because he was busy, he said, okay, I want you to run this. So here's a lady, a lawyer who was struggling to find a way. She came up with a very clever way to do something, brought it to my attention, explained it to me. And the way she explained it was very good. Didn't come up with you know complex diagrams and so on. Quickly to the point saying, Michael, what I want to do is I'm going to use the promotions and adverts the company had run over nine over three months to deduce what we think their strategies and this is why I'm going to do it, this is how I'm going to do it. So very quickly to the point, she put together a simple slide analysis for me to show me what she had come up with. I then liked it, I gave it to the manager, I asked him to proceed on this basis and 
she eventually managed to you know worm her way in a worm in inverted commas i don't mean in a bad way into the strategy stream leading a quite an analytical piece of work and she did the analysis in something like two weeks it didn't take a long time to do it but but what is interesting is that once she finished the analysis she then started showing us one of the implications of the analysis which I thought was very interesting. So just doing that analysis I thought was quite a, a big leap of logic and in a, in a good way, you know, she was being very analytical. And then she was saying, okay, if, if this is true, if they are targeting, um, if they are trying to bundle their services and use their infrastructure to roll out internet access and they're moving away from cable, what does this mean when cable has been there bread and butter for the last five years, you know. Does this mean cable is not doing well? What would, what would, then, we, then she hypothesized why they would move away from cable. And then we, we, we had a nice workshop with the team to determine which of the uh, hypothesized reasons, uh, brainstormed reasons, sorry, made the most sense. And then the team ran an analysis. And the, the, the interesting thing about this is that she did what, is, what looked like a simple analysis, which because of the rigor of the way she did it and the fact that everything was checked, it became the centerpiece and set direction for the team. For example, when we realized the competitors, the, the, our, main, our client's main competitors moving away from cable, we never really looked at the economics of cable in a big way for the competitor. And what we realized is that the competitor had cable deals with other companies which were not as attractive for the client. And our, our client, when they were trying to expand, was looking to sign up these companies, cable companies that the competitor had signed up. And when we started examining the economics of those cable companies, we realized the economics was not there. So growth in cable by signing up new channels, for lack of a better word, was never going to come through. You had to work with the existing channels. If you went for new channels, the economics would not work and you'd probably, you know, just about break even. So this lady, you know, really grew through this project. I, you know, it'd be great if this was a nice fairy tale ending where we said everything ended well. It, it's not like she, she became a butterfly and just, you know, flew off and did amazing things. She did eventually make partner, actually. And she became a successful consultant and she went into media afterwards. I think that's just coincidental, by the way. It's not like she stayed in media. She did many different projects. I remember she was in, doing a lot of financial services projects and so on. But she ended up going and joining a sort of a pseudo media company. The point of the story is that being analytical means the way you analyze the problem. It's not the problem you receive. You can receive what looks like the most mundane, process driven, uninspiring, and boring question in the world but if you choose to really think this through understand the underlying principles that govern the problem the underlying drivers how it all fits together what are the implications you are being very analytical and this is an example of what i thought was an outstanding ability to be analytical on a project this this young lady really did an outstanding job i mean she got the highest evaluation we could have given someone um for that project and and I think you know beyond that her style went down well you know when you when you're doing something that's I would say it in inverted commas making other people look bad because you're doing such a good job and you you you're doing some of the strategy thinking which is encroaching on where the engagement manager is going you actually need a personality like hers I think which is you know you humble she doesn't try to take other people's credit and and I'm pretty sure if she if she had the personality that I think a lot of young aspiring candidates have, which is to be confident to some extent arrogant, 
it wouldn't have worked as well. The reality is most McKinsey, I mean, I would say all McKinsey, all BCG teams are very, very team-oriented. And she was even more team-oriented than other people. And it's interesting to see that in certain environments, certain personalities work well. In others, they don't work well. It's about finding that balance. But always remember, being analytical has nothing to do with the question you're working it on. It has everything to do with the way you approach that question. As always, I'll be happy to post comments and any uh, respond to any questions and so on.